This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Hey, so glad to see everybody. So glad you're here. And uh, hey, just real quick, I just want to kind of give you a heads up. Next week, we're beginning a series that we're calling Shout Out. Everybody say Shout Out. Everybody shout out, shout out. Man, good. Lively, lively bunch of people. And so this, this whole series is about honor. It's about honor. So we're going to be teaching on honor, and we're going to be giving honor to whom honor is due. And so uh, over the whole month of May, we're going to teach on honor, but we're going to be honoring some very special people. We're going to be honoring our teachers, our educators, our graduating students. We're going to be honoring our mothers on Mother's Day. We're going to be uh, honoring leaders in our midst, whether it be your job or whether it be in the church. And so we're going to be honoring leaders. And then we're going to be honoring the, the, the fourth week in May, we're going to be honoring our military. And so especially be Memorial Day. And so we're going to be honoring those who have fallen. But yet we're going to be honoring the families of of those who are serving right now. Really looking forward to this, and so it's going to be a great week. And so there's one thing. This is what the Word says. It said, God said, those who honor me, them will I honor. How many of you want the honor of God in your life where God highly esteems you? He takes you really serious. He esteems you. Well, the only way that you get that, we got to honor Him. We must honor Him. And so we're going to show you how to do that. It's more than just words, which you'll see a little bit of this morning, but it's more than just words, it's action. It's action that we take. So looking forward to that. All four Sundays in May, we're going to be talking about shout-out. We're going to be giving shout-outs to those that we want to honor. Amen. And so uh, looking forward to that. So if you're new with us today, we began a series two weeks ago, three weeks ago today that we're calling, y'all help me, what? Would Jesus what? Undo. Now, I know you might be familiar. You know, a long time ago, back in the 80s, somebody came out with this little, uh, this little phrase and this bracelet, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what would Jesus undo. And there's some things that Jesus would undo if he could undo them, right? There's some things that he would undo. So he can't undo them. But he's given you and I all the tools necessary. So week one, we talked about if Jesus could, he would undo spiritual indifference in our life. You know, uh, some people say, we're, we're, you know, this, this generation is referred to as the meh generation. You know, how are you doing today? Well, I don't want to go through the whole sermon, meh. You know, just kind of, you know, just kind of this indifferent, kind of detached and, you know, a whatever. And so he would, un- he would undo spiritual indifference. Last week we talked about that if Jesus could, he would undo unbelief in our life. He would undo the unbelief, right? How many of you remember last week? Boy, I got, I got a lot of messages. Oh, that was so great. That was, that was wonderful. The first service, I mean, the first service just completely packed out. We had all the chairs we could get in here and completely packed out. And I said, who, who remembers what we taught on last week? And there wasn't, there wasn't a sound in the room. But everybody said it was so great, but it wasn't a sound in the room. So anyway, but if Jesus could, he would undo unbelief in our life. Unbelief will rob you of God's greatest and his best. And so I want to move on today. And so I want you to turn with me, if you would, 
uh, to Matthew the 15th chapter, Matthew the 15th chapter, and, and we're going to get started with this, but uh, let, me just, let me just tell you a quick story and see if you can identify. This has been some years ago. I went to a particular fast food restaurant. I'm not going to name which one it was. And uh, I went to this fast food restaurant, and, I, and uh, you know, I got a meal, but, but I also wanted a little something extra. I wanted the apple pie that they served that came in a box, so you can probably figure out what <laughs> restaurant that is. I'm not going to name them, but you, know, they, they, you can buy these little apple pies, and I think they're like 99 cents or something. And, and so I ate the meal. I didn't even go for the meal. I went for the apple pie, but I didn't want to just order an apple pie because that looked kind of weird. And uh, so I, I got the, you know, I got one of the combo deals and add an apple pie to it. So anyway, I ate the meal and uh, then I got time for the apple pie and I pulled it out of the box and said, man, that box seems really light. And I looked up and there's no apple pie in the box. They gave me, a, they, they gave me an empty box. They gave me an empty apple pie box and you know how deflated and probably a little bit more irritated I was with that, that man, they would give me in this apple pie box that didn't have an apple pie in it. And so you, so sometimes you can have the package, but there's nothing in the package, right? A friend, uh, when I was, I was studying for this, I read this story about this, this guy. He said he was going to surprise his kids on Christmas morning with uh, just this, this gift to take them to Disney World. And so he was going to just put a, a note in there and a printout, you know, hey, we're going to Disney World. And, and so he had this all figured out. So the week prior, they had bought a refrigerator you know, a refrigerator box is a big box. And so he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a note in that refrigerator box. I'm going to wrap that refrigerator box, and I'm going to stand it in the corner of the room. And on Christmas morning, they're going to open this big box, and, and they're going to look in there, and it's gonna be, they're going to say, hey, we're going to Disney World. And so that's, that was his plan. So he wrapped the box up, and he put it over in the corner of the room a few weeks prior to Christmas. Man, the kids were just bugging him. Hey, man, what is that? We want to know what that is. And they were begging, what is that? Oh, he goes, it's a surprise. It's a big surprise big surprise. And, uh, and so they come Christmas morning. I mean, that's the one they wanted to tear into first, but he wouldn't let them tear into that one. He had to open all the other stuff. And then finally at the end, at the last present, he let them tear into this big, huge refrigerator box that was supposedly had the note on the inside. We're going to Disney World. And so they tore open the box and guess what? There's nothing in the box. He had forgotten to put the note in the box before he wrapped it. And so what I'm saying is this, sometimes I think, you know, God has been so good to us. How many of you know that he's been good to us? We've been singing about his goodness, and he's been so good to us. And, and then sometimes in return, we kind of give him, we're all, we, we do it on the outside. we got our mouth moving, but on the inside, it just doesn't connect. On the inside, our, our words are out there, and we're saying the right things, but our heart's really not in it. So we're returning to him empty worship. And so I believe that one thing that Jesus would undo in our life, if he could undo it in our life, he would undo hollow worship. He would undo empty worship. Amen. And notice this in, in Matthew, the 15th chapter and verse one, it says this, that the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem, they came to Jesus. So whenever the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus it was, it, was, it, was, it was never to thank him. It was never to commend him. It was always to try to catch him in something. They were always trying to trap him in something. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they came to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, out of all the things they could come up with, they said to Jesus, why do your disciples transgress the tradition 
of the elders. Now, they were all about tradition. They were all about certain traditions. And how many of you know today that we're all about certain traditions? You know, I know there's people, they, they, they get bothered and irritated if, if somebody wears a hat in the church. You know what? I really don't care. I really don't care. That's all tradition. It doesn't matter. So when people ought, ought not to wear a hat in the house of God, oh, it doesn't matter. God don't care. <laughs> Hear all that enthusiasm? Yeah. Hear that? Why? Because people think God cares. He doesn't care. Not one bit. Well, I thought a pastor ought to wear a suit and tie. God don't care. He wouldn't care if I came in shorts. Now, you might care, my wife would care, but God wouldn't care. <laughs> I grew up Baptist. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. And, uh, man, had some, heard some truth, got some, had some seed planted in my life. And, uh, but... You know, and a lot of you, you've came out of, of a denominational church, which was, had a lot of tradition to it. And some of those traditions is what kind of brought you out into a different experience. So we call ourselves a non-denominational church. And a lot of times, a lot of non-denominational church were non-denominational just in fact because of we wanted to leave some of the tradition that we didn't think really lined up with God's word. And so we came out of that. And so people now think that we don't have traditions, but I found this out. We have traditions and a lot of those traditions don't line up with the word. Right. And so it's, it's never a good thing just to uphold tradition and keep with tradition just for tradition's sake. And that's what these, these devout Jewish people did. It says this, that they, uh, when they, they came to Jesus and said, why do your disciples transgress, transgress the traditions of the elders? Now, notice what they were talking about. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And Hey, why don't, your, why don't your boys, look, we all wash our hands. Why don't your boys wash their hands before they eat bread? Evidently, they saw them not wash their hands. Now, out of all of the things that you could nitpick about, why don't you wash your hands? I mean, that sounds like a nitpicking parent, right? You need to wash your hands. You know, they actually, well, I, don't, I don't want to get into all that, but they weren't just talking about personal hygiene. I mean, I want to be clean. I mean, I take a shower at least once a week, and so, you mean, I'm all about physical hygiene. But they weren't talking about physical hygiene. They were talking about this ceremonial cleansing so they could be fit to worship God. And if they weren't ceremonially it's hard to say. Ceremonially clean, they were not fit to worship God. And so that's why they came to Jesus. Why do your, why do your guys, why don't they wash their hands? So they weren't talking about why don't they take a bath. They said, why don't they wash their hands? So let me give you a little insight to this. The Jewish people, especially the devout, devout ones, they thought everything fell into one of two categories. If it a person or an animal or food or anything fell into one or two categories. It was either clean or it was unclean. It was either clean or it was unclean, clean or unclean. Everything, people, animals, food, clean or unclean. Anybody ever read the book of, the book of Leviticus before? Anybody just kind of blink your eyes as you're going through it and try, try to get through it? Well, it's all about this stuff. And, and so they had this 
they had this tradition, they had this idea, for instance, if, if a mouse touched a cup, the cup would be unclean. I mean, if the cup was just on a shelf somewhere in their house or something, and a mouse ran across and it touched the cup, well, then the, the cup becomes unclean. If you touched the cup, then you became unclean. If your spouse touched you, then your spouse became unclean. Whoever touched them would become unclean. And so then they had this very elaborate ceremonial washing where in order to be fit to stand before God and worship God, they had to go through this elaborate cleansing process so they can be cleansed in order to, wash God, in order to worship God. And so this, this is hilarious. So what they would have to do, they'd have to take a log of water. You say, what in the world is a log of water? That's what I thought. What in the world is a log of water? But a log of water is a measurement. And it's enough water to fill one and a half eggshells. How many of you know that's not much water? I mean, it's just a little bit. So it's enough water to fill one and a half eggshells. And so what they'd have to do in order to become clean, they'd just have to wash their hands. But you couldn't wash your hands with less than a log of water. And you couldn't wash your hands with more than a log of water. You need one and a half eggshells amount full of water in order to wash your hands and cleanse yourself properly. Sound confusing? Because it is. Aren't you glad we don't live in that day, right? And so, uh, man, thank God we can eat shrimp. <laughs> we can eat pork. <laughs> so you, know, you shouldn't eat that. I know. Meats for the belly and belly for meats. I know God's... Okay, so, so, the, so even the cleansing process, it just wasn't the amount of the water. It was how they washed. So this is how they'd have to do it. Pour water on their hands, and they'd have to wash their hands. But guess what? If the water ran down your arm... And on another part of your body, you are still unclean. So the water that you wash with can't touch your body again, or you're unclean because the water you washed with was unclean. And all this is to be right to worship God. And so they would have to stand out here, and they'd have to hold their hands like this, and the water, the log of water, the eggshell and a half amount of water would have to be poured on their hands, and it'd have to drip to the ground and not touch them so that they could be clean. This is what they were asking Jesus. This is what they were talking to Jesus about. I mean, can you, can you just see the look on Jesus' face? He's like, oh, brother. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. And this is what, this is what they're, this is the whole discussion. And this, why don't your disciples wash their hands? They're saying, why don't they do it like the law requires to do it so they can be clean and fit to stand before God and worship God? Notice what Jesus said in verse 7. He wasn't nice. A lot of people think that Jesus came to preach love and acceptance, and he's just so accepting of everybody, and, and he's just so sweet to everybody, and, and, you know, just, you know, whatever, whatever. He's just so accepting. Jesus didn't come to preach love and acceptance. He came to preach repentance. Why? Because Jesus knows this, that sin can destroy your life. Not because he doesn't like you, because he can destroy your life. So notice what he called them. He, he didn't say, oh, it's all right. Y'all do it your way, we'll do it our way. And No, he, he, he called them a hypocrite. Now he kind of, in my Bible, the word hypocrite has an exclamation point behind it. It means that, I mean, he said it with a little spunk to him. He said it little, with a little umph to him. I mean, he was a little serious about it. Hypocrite. 
Jesus called them a hypocrite. And notice what he said. Notice what he said. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These people are going through the motions. These people, they're, they're not, not y'all, I'm talking about the people that go to the church down the street. <laughs> These people are going through the motions. They come in, they dress up, they look good on the outside, and even during the worship, their mouth is moving, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. Verse 9, and in vain do they worship me. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain. What, is, what, is, what does it mean vain? This emptiness, this falseness. In vain. They, they're, they're supplying to me. They're giving to me. They're returning to me empty worship. Yeah, they're singing the songs. Yes, they're going through the motions. Yes, it looks right on the outside, but their heart is far from me. As a church, I believe that this is one of the greatest growth potential areas that we have, that we learn to worship God corporately, that we learn to worship God corporately from our heart. We're going to get into it a little more in just a minute. So, when I think of worship, and, I, and probably all of us do, when we think of worship, I think of, I, of course, my, my, my mind goes to music. I know that's not all there is to it. My, my, my mind goes to singing. I know that's not all there is to worship. I know we call this, you know, the worship hour. Some churches call it Sunday morning worship hour. I know we do more than worship. We call it worship hour. I get that. But, but I think most of us, when we think of worship, we think of music. We think of, of singing. And so sometimes we even try to break it down into two parts. We've got the fast songs we call praise, and we've got the slow songs we call worship. Okay. All right, so we're going to do, do two praise songs, we're going to do two worship songs. So, and, and if you're not in that lane, it's a little bit confusing. And I'll tell you what might be a little more confusing as well. You know, if, you, if you're, you're kind of new to church, and maybe you haven't ever been in church in your life, and you come in, and you got a band up here playing, and everybody's standing up facing the band, and they're clapping, and we're doing congregational singing, meaning that everybody's singing together. That might be a little bit foreign to you. That just kind of struck me as I was sitting on the front row. Some people might be here, what in the world are they doing? You see, those, those of us who have been around it, we're just used to it. We think that's the way it's supposed to be done. Some people, they don't have any idea of what in the world they're doing. So what are they doing? they got the band playing. People are clapping, looking at them, singing songs. That's kind of weird. And I guess if you're coming from the outside, that would be a little bit weird. Because usually if you go to a concert, you got the same setting, you got a band on the stage, you got people out in the audience, they're looking, they might be clapping, they're not necessarily singing back songs and raising their hands, and well, maybe they are. But, but anyway, so it might be a little bit strange in church, I get it. But we do it for a reason, because we wanna, we're worshiping God together, we're praising God together, we're praising Him. So I believe this could be one of the greatest growth potential areas in, in our church, amen. And so... Let me just talk to you about it because you know everybody everybody has their style preference, right? 
Everybody has their style. I mean, if you're, if you're from, if, if your music, for instance, you know, sometimes I like to turn it on. I've got, I've got satellite radio in my car. Sometimes I like to turn it on the 70s. People are like, you're old. <laughs> Some people like to turn it on the 80s. Some like to turn it to the 50s. And some like the, the 40s big band era, right? And so the thing is, we, we all have our style preferences. Y'all going to help me out and smile this morning and, and just, you know, pretend. First, let me just tell you this. Don't let the first hour beat you. They, they, were, they were happy about all this. They, they got excited. So we all have our style preferences. And so, you know, some people, they said, well, I think, and I had somebody tell me this other, other day. He said, well, I, I wish the... I wish the music was different. I'm going, and I know what they're talking about because they'd already talked to me about it. They like, what they identified with is when they got saved back in the 70s, and there was, there was certain music that really touched their heart and their, their life. They identify with that, and they think that's God, and only that is God. And only that kind of worship is acceptable to God, Right? And so I grew up, you know, got, uh, uh, who's the trumpet guy? Phil, no. Yeah, Phil Driscoll, and, and he, had, he had an album. Man, I'd, when, when I first got saved, I just, I'd wear that cassette tape is. Y'all know what a cassette tape is? You know what a cassette tape is? Yeah, okay. Cassette tape. And so I, I'd, I'd wear that cassette tape out and just, just listen to that horns, and and, and singing, he's got that old gravelly voice. And, and so, man, I, that's God right there. And nothing else is God. And then Hillsong came around, and I'm thinking, man, that ain't God. That's Hillsong. And now we're all the way over here to Hillsong, not united, Hillsong young and free. And they're free. And they're young. <laughs> and so, man, they're, they're all over the stage. I mean, you see them, they're all over the stage, and they're worshiping God, just, just abandoned. And, and so... That age group, like my daughter, that's God. And that's what they identify with. And so you got different styles. So some people, they, they, like, they think it, they, they like the, the holy, somber worship of God and that quiet reverence. And that's what they identify with. And that's what they think is right. And then you got, you got these young people and more like our church, get kind of contemporary. And, and man, let's... Let's clap. Let's play the drums. Let's do all this. Hey, when I, when I first, I, I, like I said, I grew up in Baptist church. We had a piano and an organ. I think we had an organ. Some days we had an organ. Some days it was just a piano. And so it was just really, you know, it was just kind of really quiet and, you know, sang out of a hymnal, verse, verses one, two, and four, never verse three for some reason. <laughs> Never did. I guess every song that was ever written, verse three was not a good verse because they, you never, you never sang verse three, just one, two, one, two, and four. And uh, and so I, I went to an assembly of God church for the very first time, and boy was I shocked. I, I mean, they had they had drums, they had guitars, they had bass, and I mean. They would do Jericho marches. 
Y'all don't know what a Jericho march is. Jericho march is this. I mean, they'd, they'd be playing the music. This is one of the first couple of times I ever went. And this guy on a Sunday night, he came, he came out of the aisle. He, was, he, was, he, started, he started marching around the room. People jumped in behind him, and they were marching around the room. And I'm going, what in the world are they doing? And I'm like, I, my eyes are probably big as saucers. I'm looking around like, what in the world is this? And people were lifting their hands, and, and they were singing out loud, and they were, they were clapping, and they were shouting. And, and I'm going, what in the world is going on? And it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. But then I kept going, and I said, man, you know, there's something about this that, that I like. There's something about it that's just really freeing to me. And then, man, I just, I just kind of bought in. I, I liked it. And so some people like that. So some people like the, the, that somber, holy, reverend. And then some people, you know, and they, they think, let's just, let's, just, let's just worship God and let's meditate on God. It's very liturgical. And, and let's just, you know, just holy and, and reverent. And then you got this group over here that said, no, 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 God, God's to be celebrated. Let's raise the roof off of this place. Let's blow the roof off of this place. And let's just, I mean, let's just go for it. So you got that side. So which side is right? You want me to tell you? Both are right. Or both can be very wrong because it's not style and preference with God. It's heart. What I mean, if my kids came into my bedroom one day, I've, I got a 15-year-old daughter and 12-year-old son. They came into my bedroom, and I was still sleeping. They began to, to sing a song to me, a cappello. They were just singing me a song. Could you imagine me saying, hold on, hold on. If you're going to sing a song, Luke, I need you on the guitar. <laughs> Sydney, I need you with a mic in your hand. I, 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 need, I, need, I need some backup singers with y'all. If y'all going to sing to me, you got to do this right. Because my preference is guitar and bass and drums. And I need the lead singer needs to be in skinny jeans. Somebody's got to have some skinny jeans on. <laughs> and, it, and it can't just be skinny jeans. There's got to be holes in the skinny jeans. Got it. That's that's my that's my qualifications. That, if you're gonna sing to me, that's the way it's gonna be. How many of you know I'm not gonna do that? Why? Because if it comes through the heart, if it comes from the heart, it doesn't matter if you got a full orchestra or you don't you don't have anything but a spoon or spoons, right? Or playing the hand bone while you sing, you know what, what I mean? And so it doesn't, if it comes from the heart, that's what makes it acceptable to God. If it doesn't come from the heart, it doesn't matter which style, it doesn't matter which preference, it doesn't please him if it comes from the heart. And that's what, that's what Jesus was telling them. He said, you're doing all this traditional stuff, trying to get to a place where your worship will be acceptable to me. And you, you honor me with your lips, and you're saying the words, and you're doing the right thing, but your heart is far from me. And I believe that today that God wants to take us somewhere. I believe that he wants us to draw us in where we can begin to express our heart to him in true worship. In true worship. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to close out today. And... Uh, and we're going to really worship God. We're going to really engage our heart. And you say, well, I'm not used to this. That's all right. 
Look, that's all right. If everybody does it, nobody will know that it's new to you. Right? If everybody does it, oh, I, I forgot to tell you this. The very first time I, I saw all these people at this Assembly of God church, they were, they were lifting their hands to God, and I'm going, that's kind of weird. Somebody got a question? They had their hands up. So that, 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 that's a little weird. People lifting their hands. And I saw them do this, and man, but, and what convinced me of the whole thing is just the power that was present in that atmosphere and that, the anointing and, and the presence of God that was just undeniable in the atmosphere. It's just undeniable. And so I remember the, the first time I, I lifted, I lifted my hands. I just lifted my hand, you know, I go, man, who's watching me? And the answer is nobody is watching you. And I lift, lifted my hands to God as we were singing. It was so freeing to me. It's something that just freed up on the inside of me and just worship God. Amen. As you prepare your heart in just a minute that we're going to just worship God with one song, as you prepare your heart, I want you to just think about how good God has been to you. Has he been good to you? While you were yet sinners. You realize this? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard, every single one of us. But while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He went to the cross for us. He laid down his life for us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be brought into a relationship with him. Not a religion, a relationship. God's not all about the, the do's and the don'ts. He's not all about the regulations. He wants a relationship with you. I, I remember when Super Bowl Sunday, 1986, my life was a mess. I, I had no purpose for my life. I, I, I had no direction for my life. I didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was going to do. I was lost. And so I was at the Super Bowl party. They were drinking, they were smoking dope. And, and, and I was right there in the midst of all that. And Jesus found me. Jesus found me. And I'll be eternally grateful for that day that he took somebody that had no purpose, had no, no vision for their life, had no hope, was without God, without hope, and he reached down and he took me. He found me and he lifted me up and he gave me a purpose and he gave me direction. And he'll do the same for you today. Some of you are out there just kind of floundering. You say, what in the world am I going to do for my life? Look, when you, when you lose your when you lose your your why. You lose your way, and God wants to give you a why. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you breathing the precious air on this earth? God's got a purpose for your life. And so I remember that day he found me, and he gave me, and, and, and I've never looked back. I've never doubted for another day what my purpose is. He's been good to you. Think about this. Think about this. Not only did Jesus go to the cross for your sin, he went to the cross so that you could be healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, by his stripes you were healed. He's been good. He's been good to you. Amen. I want you to stand with me. Let me just read a couple of scriptures to you as we prepare our hearts. Sometimes, sometimes in worship, when we're worshiping God, sometimes 
we need to bow before him. We need to bow before him. Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And look, if we don't, if there's times we don't bow now, one day that we, we all are going to bow. The, the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So sometimes we must bow, sometimes we must kneel to express our worship. Sometimes we lift our hands. David said this in Psalm 63, 4, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where is your heart with God? Is your heart near to God? Or is your heart far from God? What would God say about your heart? Would he say, oh yeah, they're near? Or would he say, uh, they're far. They're far from me. And we wouldn't want to hear that but yet we do want to hear that because, so we can make a decision, right? So sometimes we need to lift our hands. Sometimes we need to dance. Sometimes we need to dance. And all of you dance. You, you dance when you got that, that, that new iPhone. Woo! <laughs> you dance when that ring was put on your finger. You dance with your, when your team won. Sometimes we need to dance when God is doing something in our life. Psalm 150 verse 4 says, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Amen. Sometimes we need to offer him the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, let us offer up to him continually the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Sometimes we just need to open our mouth and just begin to thank God. We need to worship him. We need to worship him. Look, praise and worship is a weapon that God has given you. When you've got all these fiery darts coming into your mind, you can begin to worship God. You can begin to praise God. It's something about praise and worship. The, the Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people. That means that he comes in and he manifests himself when we're praising him and worship him. In the first hour, I mean, we were worshiping God and as we did God's healing power. You, you know, there is a healing power. There is a healing presence. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So there's a presence. There's an anointing that comes when we worship God. And I tell you, in that first service, that anointing came and, and people were healed. Amen. Amen. Praise is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. Some of you going through things and you're just going through things in your mind and, and, and you need God to touch you. This is the time that he wants to do it. So I want to encourage you as we begin to sing about his goodness, as we begin to worship him for his goodness, as we begin to proclaim how good he is to us, I just want to cl close your eyes, bow, kneel, lift your hands, lift your voice, and let's worship him with everything that's within us and notice how the atmosphere would change. It's not going to change if you sit up there and look at them. It's not going to change if you just have, you know, just, well, I'm not getting into this. Well, it might happen for other people. It won't happen for you. But if you want to experience God, I encourage you today, let's worship him. Amen? Let's worship him. And Father, I thank you that you've given us authority over every unclean spirit, over every sickness, over every disease. 
in Jesus' name. So I speak to tumors right now and tell them to dissolve and disappear. I speak to lungs and I command lungs to be strong and whole and healed. I speak to ears and I command them to be open, eardrums to be whole in the name of Jesus. I speak to joints. I speak to the heart. I speak to the liver. And I command it to be whole in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus took all of our infirmities. He bore all of our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we were and we are healed in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every single person in here that you would draw us deeper into your presence, a deeper walk into a relationship with you. Not religion, but a relationship. And Father, I pray for every single person that they would experience your goodness, your presence, your power in their life, in Jesus' name. And Lord, if there's any single person in here who came in here today and, and they didn't know you, they may have known some things about you, They may have heard some things about you, but they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Lord, I ask you to draw them into your presence right now. Knock on the door of their heart. Deal with them as only you can. In Jesus' name. Very quietly, just ask everybody, just have a seat. Nobody moving around, nobody leaving right now. Just, we're going to have you out of here right on time. If you came in here today and you didn't have a relationship with God, I just I believe that we ought to close this service and give every single person an opportunity to make that decision. So let me ask you a question. If, if you were to walk out of this place today and suddenly your heart stopped and you died and you went into eternity, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And I know what most of us, we don't think about that all the time. We're not constantly thinking about that because we're not constantly thinking about, you know, dying. But one of these days, we're all going to die. And that is, that's, that's final. And so you've got to make a decision before that day comes. So let me ask you, are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to stand before Jesus? And if he were to ask you, hey, why should I let you into heaven? What will your response be? I know some people say, well, Lord, I think you ought to let me into heaven because, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I've tried to, I've done my best. I try to help people out when I can. I try to be a good neighbor and, you know, I'm nice to people and, and all of that's good and great, but none of that will get you to heaven. Y'all look up at me. That won't get you to heaven. So, Pastor Chuck, you know, I, I think I'll go to heaven and I believe that God be all right. I just say, hey, I believed in you. I believed in you my whole life. And that's great. There's going to be a lot of folks that believed in God that didn't know God, that didn't have a relationship with him. A lot of people who believed in God who are not going to be in heaven. Because you don't get to heaven just because you're not an atheist. You know, an atheist is somebody that doesn't believe God exists. You're not going to get to heaven just because you, you're not an atheist. So I believe in God. That's great. And we should. But the demons believe in God too. And they're not going to be in heaven, right? 
So, Pastor Chuck, I've gone to church my whole life. I went to church for a long time, but I wasn't right with God. I'd go to church every Sunday, but I wasn't right with God. Are you listening? If you're going to be right with God, if you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to do it God's way. Jesus, who is God, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said you must be born again. He is not one of many ways. He is the way. Not a, there's not a whole bunch of paths that lead to God. The way is very narrow. The way is very narrow. The path is very, very narrow. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. He said you must be born again. What does that mean? You've got to surrender your whole heart and your life to him. And when you do that and you confess him as the Lord, the boss of your life, he'll come in and he'll do a change on the inside of you. He's not going to make you a better version of yourself. He's going to make you a new self. A brand new self. Amen. So every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here and you've never given your whole heart and life to Jesus, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to even ask you to stand, but... Right there in your seat, you're going to lift your hand in just a minute. We're going to pray for you. So I'm going to count to three. When I do, if you would like to be included in this prayer, just lift your hand. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Good job. Good job. All over the room. All over the room. Very good. Wonderful. 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 Great. All right. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much for lifting your hands. Thank you for taking that that step of boldness. Now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. But I want everybody just to pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. So thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place and forgiving me. I ask you to come into my heart and change me, make me new. And from this day forward, I will serve you. I will follow you. I will obey you with your help. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Church, let's give these a big, big hand. All right. Yes. You know, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice. And, you know, they're doing a lot better than what we're doing right here. But it says the angels in heaven rejoice. What does that mean? They throw a party. I mean, all of heaven is just shaking and reverberating under the sound of their jubilant praise. Why? When one person turns to Christ. So I think we, I mean, about 10 hands went up in here. I think we can do a lot better than that. Come on, church. Let's give them a hand. All right. Thank you, Lord. No, y'all don't understand. You don't understand what just happened. The greatest miracle of all miracles just occurred. I mean, people came out of death. They weren't dead. Yeah, they were dead. You ever seen that, that movie, The Walking Dead? That show, you know, them zombies? They were the walking dead. They came out of death into life. They came out of darkness into light. Now God's, got, God's in them, and he's doing a work in them. Y'all watch what I say. Those of you lift your hand, watch what I say. 
You're going to walk out, out there, the sky's going to be bluer, the, the birds are going to sound better, people are going to look better to you. You're going to just kind of love people that you hadn't loved before. You're going to look at them and say, I just love them, I just love them. Why? Because something happened on the inside. And God's going to do a work in you. He's going to begin to work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's not going to let you go. And he's not going to give up on you. And you're going to stumble along the way. But he's going to come around and he's going to pick you up. And he's going to fill you full of his power. And he's going to give you a call. And he's going to give you a reason for living. And he's going to give you a purpose for living. And I tell you what, your life is about to get better. It's about to get better. It's about to get better. Why? Because God is now in you, doing a work in you. Amen. Amen. I'm about to get happy. Y'all aren't celebrating like I want you to celebrate. I tell you what. You say, why are you acting like that? Because I remember where I was. I remember that day when God got a hold of my life. Some of you young men, it's not going to be the same for you. Get in the Word of God. Begin to cry out to God. Begin to do just what we were talking about. Fall down on your knees and say, God, show me everything that I need to see. Prepare me for everything that you prepared for me. I want to know you. I want to know you. I've got to know you. I've got to experience you. I mean, guys, young men, ladies. Begin to cry out to him. God's doing something, y'all. Some of you just holding on so tight, I can't surrender the reins of my life to God because I got this thing that I like. I got this thing that I like. And I don't want to give up this thing that I like. I said, I like it. I like, and, and I don't want to get. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. But you don't know what you're giving up. You never give up anything when you surrender your life to Jesus. He came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I tell you, whatever whatever your flesh is offering you and whatever the devil is offering you and whatever this world is offering you does not compare to what Jesus is putting on the table is extending in front of you right now. And we might just need to give another altar call. He's got plans for you. He's got plans for you. He's got a work for you. He's got an idea for you. He's got a goal for you. I tell you, he knew you before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb. I'm sorry, y'all. I just got to preach on me now. I just can't stop. <clears throat> before you were ever conceived, he knew you. He knew you. God's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for your life. Those who lifted your hand, he's got a plan for your life. And I tell you this, if you will give us one year, if you will give us one year and you do everything that we ask you to do, you get involved. You don't have to get involved in this church, but this is the best one to get involved in. 
so if you if you just if you'll do if you'll just do I mean you come to the services you come to first Wednesday you go through starting point you find you help us to help you discover what God's gifted you to do if you'll give us one year you're gonna look back in a year and go whoa who was that guy back there who was that girl back there I don't even recognize that person anymore amen So I'm going to leave it at that. For those of you who raised your hands, congratulations. Best day of your life ever. Amen.